You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hi, this is Evan, and you're listening to Damsels in Detroit on Podcast Detroit. So today on Damsels in Detroit, we have Asma Walton, who is one of my very, very, very good friends. Um, so Asma is a Detroit native with a Bachelor of Fine Arts and Art Education from Michigan State University. And she also has a Master of Arts from New York University. She currently serves as a KeyBank Diversity Leadership Fellow at the Toledo Museum of Art. And she's the first person to ever hold this position. In addition to working at the museum, Asma has taken up an interest in freelance art writing and blogging. Late last year, she started her blog, I See Your Art, where she critiques and acknowledges Black art and the artists creating it. Asma wants to use her writing, blogging, and industry knowledge as a way to highlight artists that are traditionally excluded from the art world. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So this is the first time that I'm ever doing this, so I'm like a little nervous, but I wanted to have one of my best friends here today so we can kind of just calm the nerves and, you know, just have a conversation like we always do. So when we first met at Michigan State, I think that you were a kinesiology, kinesiology major. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So... I came to Michigan State from Robert Morris University um, in Chicago. That was, um, it was a kind of an interesting program. It was, they had a lot of different majors, kind of just like a regular university. But I was specifically going for culinary arts. I wanted to be a chef from like age 10 all the way up until when I left there at like age 19. Actually, I think I was 18 when I left there. And... When I was wrapping up my time there, I decided to apply to Michigan State because it was somewhere that would be close to home. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I was just, I think, looking through majors, and I was like, oh, kinesiology. That sounds fun. I was actually athletic training, though, but they're a part part of the same program, per se. Um, And it was... It was fun. I really enjoyed my, like, taping and bandaging class, but... I was not doing very well in yeah. the courses, um, <laughs> specifically in my Foundations of Kinesiology course. I did not do very well okay. at all. You know um, what happens. And I decided, I was like, yeah, this isn't this isn't for me. Um, but I still didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I think during that time, like when I met you, because I met you maybe. I think it was my sophomore. No, it was my junior year. Yeah, but it yeah. was so it was in the fall, of, mm-hmm. but that was my first year right. um at state. And you were doing apparel and textile design and I, I actually <laughs> hadn't explored um the College of Arts and Letters for like what programs they have. Yeah. And I started to look through it and I was like, hmm, apparel and textile design sounds cool, but that's also where the studio art and art education uh, majors are housed. Right. And I was like, I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be, but I wasn't really sure what direction. I believe before I ended up majoring in art education, I majored in something else. It might have been studio art. I think so. But they also have the same prereqs. So it didn't really like matter when I wanted to change to art ed because I was required to take the same courses. And once I got in art ed, it just kind of felt like it fit. It was new, but... It just made me feel like, okay, this is something that I can do. So, 
Because I feel like as soon as you switched to art education, you started getting all these opportunities. And I was so happy because I'm like, that's what she was supposed to be doing the whole time. Because literally it was like every month you're like, oh, I'm about to be on the board of this. And I'm going to start doing X, Y, and Z. And now I'm going to start teaching kids. And I'm like, wow, this makes so much sense now. So Yeah, like I started doing um, – because I had a different internship there that really got me acclimated to the city of East Lansing, like how it actually runs. And I ended up being on – the Arts Commission Board, mm-hmm. I was the only student on it. Most of the people were, like, a lot older. Um, but it was really cool because we were responsible for kind of giving up money for the public art projects that are going to go on in the city. Also, with East Lansing constantly being developed, there was a percent for art ordinance that required new developments to put down to actually have a piece of public art on the development that they were creating and or add $25,000 to a fund for public art for the city of East Lansing. So we had to approve their designs. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they're not art people, they're developers. So they right. like try to slap something together and we're like, no, yeah. that, that doesn't count. Right. Which would be like really frustrating for them. But like, no, we want like meaningful like public exactly. art like in the city. But that was a really cool opportunity. And yeah, I guess being in art education kind of ended me uh, in those areas. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, so from MSU, you went on to New York University's Tisch School of the Arts to get your master's um, in that accelerated, very accelerated program. <laughs> um, so a number of famous artists from various fields have attended the school, like Spike Lee, Donald Glover, Childish Gambino, for those of you that are familiar, um, and Danae Guerrera. Um, so just to name a few. And but Lady you, Gaga. Oh, yes. And Lady Gaga. I saw that, too, online. Um, did you feel a certain pressure attending that school, knowing that so many famous people have graduated from there? I really didn't think about it. Okay. And I also don't think I – New York University was never really on my radar, per se. It was okay. never, like, something I was just thinking about. When I got to my senior year, I was actually planning on doing a fifth year um, at Michigan State to try to, I don't know, get a little bit more prepared for a master's program, specifically the one that I was going to apply to, the art politics program. But like one day during, I think it was fall semester, towards the end, I just woke up and I was like, no, like I need to graduate now. I literally woke up, cleared my whole schedule, made an advising appointment so Mm -hmm. I could go and talk to my advisor so she could let me know like, is this possible? Like, can I graduate in the fall, in the spring? Mm -hmm. And it was, but it required me to take 20 credits in the spring semester and 18 credits in the summer. Horrible. <laughs> um, I did it, though. Yes. And when I first got into the program, I was kind of surprised. I just remember I had to do a Skype interview um, with some of the professors and some of the other faculty, and they just asked me some questions. And I was like, I got, like, a really, like, nice vibe from everyone okay. there because it's very it's a very small program right um so it's really like close-knit so i was like this that felt good um and then maybe a few weeks later um i got accepted and a few weeks after that like randomly um because i didn't apply for any scholarships or anything to go there right i wasn't even thinking about it don't know why um but I got an email saying, like, oh, like, we want to offer you this $60,000 scholarship to cover both semesters of your program because my program was only one year, yeah, 18 credits per semester. Um, and I was like, I didn't apply for a scholarship. <laughs> but, but I was I'll like, okay. So <laughs> I got a full ride um, to go there. And that actually really worked out because I had maxed out on my financial aid. 
so I wouldn't have been able to I didn't to know go. you could max out. You know? I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know, know that. that. I didn't know that. <laughs> but I thought they would keep giving it to you as long as you would want to take it. Nope. Okay. Nope. I could not get any more financial aid. So I wouldn't have been able to go. And I was like, oh, well, glad I got that scholarship because yeah. if not, like, I wouldn't have been going. Right. Um, But things just kind of, like, work out that way. Like mm-hmm. I, So I guess I never felt any pressure because it was just that whole experience. It just kind of was like. Oh, I don't know. I just was kind of going with the flow right. and it just everything kind of worked out. <clears throat> so what was the curriculum like? Because I know we just mentioned that the program was only a year. And if you have to do 18 credits per semester, how was that for you? So first semester, I had courses that were like uh, we had a colloquium course, which was it's really hard to describe what my classes were like because some of them were just like, I don't know how to describe this. It was very heavily theory-based, um, especially my intro to art politics. That class was heavily theory-based, which was really difficult for me because at Michigan State, I never had to like read any theory or do anything. Yeah, I remember that was that all. struggle class. I was like, I don't know. Like, why do I have to read? 30 pages for every class. Right. And I don't, I literally, I'm like, I don't know what any of this says. Like, I know, because you were like sending me stuff. You're like, what do you think this means? I'm like, girl, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. This, like, I don't know what they're talking about. Like, it was just like, uh. but then I also took some classes with different professors. So one of our professors, um, her name is Marta Vega, and she has done a lot in New York City for like, the cultural institutions, Mm -hmm. Um, she was kind of responsible for helping to found the Museo El El Barrio in uh, in New York. And it has continued to grow. She also uh, has another institution she started. She's done a, a lot, a lot of things. Like when talking about institution building, like in New York, she's usually mentioned. Um, And, her class was kind of just about what it's like starting an institution. Mm-hmm. How is it running it? She had a lot of different people come in that were doing things during like black art movements and during like different periods of time. She was just having them come and talk to us about their experiences. Um, and at the end, we had to design our own like program or nonprofit or institution like and we had to present it kind of pitch it to the class and that was really valuable Mm -hmm. um and what i came up with is something i still eventually like want to do but tell um, us (laughs) so it was um i feel like i might have told you about this before Mm -hmm. it was What it, I'm trying was to it like the, the traveling? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I can't remember was, what you um, called it, though. I can't remember what I called it. <laughs> I have a PowerPoint of it somewhere. But essentially, it was a mobile um, art center um, that would be able to go to community centers and things like that during after, like after hours, after schools. Right. Since a lot of schools don't have really large art programs, if they have them at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also something I was thinking about could in the summer – they could go to parks and right. set up camps for a few days out of the week, um, something like that. So that that's the idea that I came up with, um, which I'm still just waiting for the, the right, right time. time. But um, so that class kind of got me there. Um, I ended up taking a class on curating uh, in the Caribbean mm-hmm. and what it's like for um, people living in those areas as curators. 
like the difficulties they face. Um, we kind of used different exhibitions as case studies. So we looked at the Jamaican Biennale um, and we kind of talked with the curator to kind of talk about some of their struggles because they had a lot of issues. They had a lot of backlash on certain things. And it was really nice to be able to have that like inside information right. on like what that process was like. Um, my professor, her name was Grace Ali. Um, she's also a curator and she just provided a lot of insight in that class. We also had to plan an exhibition. We had to pick what institution we wanted it to be at. And that was kind of a struggle for me. Mm -hmm. So I ended up because I felt like I was in a really different wheelhouse. And I think she she sensed that and she noticed that a lot of the things that I do were more with youth engagement. That right. was just kind of what I was not that that's just where I want to be, but it's what I'm more familiar with. Um, so she said, well, you can always do something at a children's museum. And so I kind of once I knew that I could do that, I Ended up coming up with something. I have no idea what it was now. I don't remember. Wasn't it at the, excuse me, <clears throat> the um, Brooklyn? It was at, no, it was at, this museum is specifically, it's a children's museum. Um, nope. But it wasn't in Brooklyn. It's not there. Okay. Could be in Brooklyn. I'm like, I, I like remember a lot of things this project in Brooklyn. too. <laughs> I was yeah. with you every step of the way you during were. your master's. You I have a master's degree basically, too. Basically, you do. it's by fine. proxy. Yeah, <laughs> we got it together. Um, so right now you're working as a KeyBank Diversity Leadership Fellow at the Toledo Museum of Art. So can you talk mm -hmm. more about your position and your role at the museum? So this is a completely new fellowship that they started. Actually, it had been in the works for a few years. Um, I think about four years. They had started to try to get it in motion. Um, so Key Bank is their private bank. Um, I think it might just be in Toledo, but it could just be Ohio. Mm -hmm. And they're a private bank. So private banks are like where rich people put all their money, mm -hmm. not like regulars like me. But um, they also are working on a diversity initiative. And this is a way that they can work on their initiative. So they endowed this fellowship um, for it'll be every other year. Um, and the reason that they said they want to do every other year is so they can focus on the progress of the fellow after they leave okay. for that next year. That so they can sense. make sure they have like whatever help they need or just things like that. Um, so that's pretty cool. But what I do. So since it's new, it's kind of. It's also a program where you can kind of make it your own. It depends on what you're interested in. Okay. They have another fellowship at the museum, but that one is specifically for postdoctoral um, students. And this one is specifically for people of color, and it's also for post-bachelor post and post-grad um, students. And since I was already – I was an intern at the museum from May until August, and I was already working in the education department – so when I started the fellowship, I kind of just rolled over and stayed in the education department, just had a, working on some different things. The primary project that I'm working on is the teen apprentice program that the museum has, and it's their fourth year of the program. But I also I'm kind of helping in kind of all different areas because yeah. I'm kind of like it's better than being an intern. But right. I'm kind of like an intern. Okay. So when people are like, do you want to help me with this project? I'm like. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Even though Absolutely. It has, it has nothing to do with what I'm interested <laughs> in at all. But, you know, 
why not? Yeah. Um, but it's also different experiences I can gain. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things they really want to try to do during my time is let me participate in kind of all departments just so I can have a little bit of experience so I can understand a little bit more about how the museum really runs. So, so far I've done, I got to do an art audit, which I didn't know anything about. All the pieces. Kind of. Essentially that's what an art audit is. So the art audit is between the registrar's office and the finance department. Mm -hmm. So we have like big catalogs that have lists of all the works that we have and they have like, numbers that go correspond with them so it's like 6727.b or something is like the name of the work so what the finance department does is they go through those catalogs and they pick randomly 15 works of art um and so they give that list to the registrar's office and then they have to both go together to find them to make sure they are where they say they are so it's like a scavenger basically it's a scavenger hunt yeah Interesting. Which I was like, this is cool, but I mean, I guess it's not cool if you go there and the work of art is not there yeah. and you can't find it. Because then what do you do at that point? You have to find it. <laughs> you just have to find where it is and put it in the right place or you have to change the location in that catalog to let whoever's going to be looking at it know where it is going to be. And also while they're doing that, so while they're finding it, they also pick five more pieces of art while we're already out so they can backtrack it. To say that it's in the catalog in the right place. Okay. So it was really cool. I don't know. I got to see some painting storage that I hadn't seen before. So I got to see some cool paintings that I had never seen. And a lot of our work at the Toledo Museum is actually glass. Wow. So when doing those audits, majority of the pieces are glass and or works on paper. Because we have a lot of works on paper, too. Um but it was still really cool. I was like, I didn't even know we did this. But mm-hmm. they also have to do art audits of the whole collection, which take, they so take a few years. They take a few years. Okay. So, but I was like, Do you wow. just do a little bit a day? I guess. I have no <laughs> idea. I would assume that just is what their life is for like those couple years. Wow. Which sounds stressful, but it's kind of cool if you're not doing it. There's so many moving pieces to museums that a lot of people don't know about. Yes. Um, so that's so interesting to hear because I just assume there's like somebody at the top, like a director, and then everybody else is like well versed in being able to give tours or something like that. And that's that, not the case but at that all. Is, it's just really funny because whenever I tell people I work in a museum, they're like, oh, so like, do you give tours? And I was like, no, <laughs> I don't. Because actually, for the most part, docents do tours. And I feel like. I say I bring up docents often and people never know what I'm talking about. Right. So a docent is it's like I'll give you guys a museum like vocab word. Yes, please. A docent is a volunteer. Um, they're volunteers, so it's it's not, not a paid, paid position. So they do tours um, in the museum. A lot of our docents do they do school tours, they do adult tours, they have they're like groups that come in often. So they're like specific like art groups. It's like their little art clique and they mm-hmm. come in and they do a tour with their docent. Okay. Um, yeah. And the docents like when they they have to apply to be a docent, they have to interview for the position. Then they have to do classes for about a few months. So they have to train to become a docent to make sure that they But then you don't get paid. You don't get paid. <laughs> most, the thing is most of them are retired. Okay. So it's something else that they can do. I was actually, when I was at um, 
I was at that bar in Toledo yesterday, no, Friday, and I was waiting for the bartender to come back, and I heard this guy talking to the bartender, this guy and his girlfriend, they were talking to the bartender, and I heard museum, and my ears kind of like perked up. I was like, right. the museum? I work there. <laughs> um, but he was talking about his mom is in the new docent class okay. that's like just coming in, and he was talking about how excited she is about Aww. it, and she used to be a teacher, and she's retired now. Okay. And it's like, that's usually how it feels. Like, they're always really excited to have the opportunity and it's something – it's like another fulfilling part of your life, like when you're done working because I can imagine – like I hate working, but I can imagine like <laughs> when you really just don't have anything to do and yeah. you just feel like – And you don't want to just sit around my, and like, not – What is purpose? Yeah. Like what am I doing? I don't just want to sit around all day. So it's something else they can do. It gives them something to look forward to and be excited That's about. That's cute. So yeah, docent. That's what we learned today. Yes. Thank you for our vocabulary. You're welcome. <laughs> so you work a lot with youth within your role at the museum, too. Um, you kind of touched on that a little bit earlier. But why do you think that it's important to expose young people to different types of art? And do you feel like you had a good amount of exposure to art growing up in the city? I think it's important because not even just for youth, but for everyone, because there's so much information about art and even just about museums that people aren't exposed to on a daily basis that we don't know about. I wasn't really experienced in anything art history related until college, really. Um, that's when I started to learn about like certain artists. And it just it's such a big world, like the art world. And there's so much information that is referenced like just on the daily basis. And you don't even realize it, like right. even in ads and things like that they may reference some art and you have no idea and it's just another way to expand your mind in a different direction even if you don't feel like you have any artistic capabilities which a lot of people feel like feel that way and they just think well why would I even go to a museum like it doesn't register that that's something that they should consider but it's a it's just something else that, that you can add to your life that might make it a little more interesting. Might be another hobby you can pick up. And museums are definitely an area where people just don't see the benefit in going. Right. Um, even living in Detroit. So I um, I had more exposure to art because my mom works at the Detroit Institute of Art. She's worked there since I was four. Um, but even when I would I would go to work with her very often yeah. but I would just like sit in her office on the computer and play like <laughs> the scene games on the computer and, like, <laughs> like I'm not worried about what's going like, on like I had no interest in the actual museum but thinking about it now I was like wow like I even like I was like subconsciously exposed to right. Um she had a lot of art books like just around the house and she would bring like when they had exhibitions so usually the promotional material they get rid of like posters and like big I don't know boards and right. stuff they get rid of she would bring that home and like put it up on our walls and stuff so I would get that's to see. art too yeah it is somebody had to design those posters exactly so I was kind of always surrounded by that kind of stuff and my mom also uh is a dancer fashion designer so I was like always Doing around art yeah so um I never really thought about it too much but I meet so many people that are from Detroit that have lived here their whole lives and never been to the DIA. Which is crazy. It is, it is especially because it's free. Yeah. It's free if you live here. Exactly. Um, which I don't really remember if that was the case before the millage. 
I can't remember either. I feel like that was it a long time ago. Was. It was like 10 years ago, but <laughs> I don't remember. But it's free if you live here, which is a really big deal because every museum is not free. The Toledo Museum is free, which is another reason why I'm just like, I meet people in Toledo and they're like, yeah, I've never been. I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. Toledo has a really great museum. And I think it's because. People that live in Toledo, they're like, it's in Toledo. Like, is it even really like a good museum? They just kind of discredit it. Okay. But it's a really, really great museum with a really great collection. The architecture, the building is great. We have across the street, we have a glass pavilion. They do glass demos. Like you can take glass classes, like glass blowing. Like I've taken a couple glass classes. They're super fun. Like it's it's a really cool museum, but a lot of people don't go. Even as far as I think people from Detroit should drive down to Toledo to visit it's the museum. It's only an hour. It's only an hour. Like it, I think also people assume that Toledo is further away because whenever I tell people that I'm coming home, they're like, really? Why? <laughs> it's an hour away. Right. But it's it's a really cool place. Museums, everyone should just go to the museum. Just I go. Agree. Just, just go. go. <laughs> and at least – just go one time and then from there decide if museums are your thing or not. Because if you've just never been and just assume that they're boring, that's like not okay. Yeah, like There's I, so much stuff that goes on at the DIA. Like those little, I love the little films that they show. And there's an exhibit right now that I want to see, the um, Ruben and Isabel Toledo one. Yeah. I haven't gone. Yet, yeah, I, I like really my mom was telling me about it. Like I haven't seen it, but I was like, it's, it's cool. And mm-hmm. then they also do like events. Like exactly. you don't even have to go for the art because what did we go to last year when they opened the that exhibition it It wasn't the star wars no i didn't end up going to star wars which i'm really upset it was so good and i don't even like star wars but that was the the costumes i just yeah i will regret that for a while but it was the one with um (laughs) it was the one with like detroit rappers and artists oh yeah um yep the um deciphered exhibit exhibit that's what it was. I didn't. I don't even know if I knew what it was called because <laughs> I was like, that doesn't even ring a bell. But they had like afterwards. They had like in Kresge Court. They had a DJ. It was a party. A, it was a party afterwards. <laughs> like it was really fun. Like yeah, to just be there. So even if you don't want to go to see the art, like go enjoy the building. Go exactly. enjoy like what's around it. Mm-hmm. Like it's have a photo shoot. Right. Have a photo <laughs> shoot. There's some really great stairs yep. that a lot of people take pictures on. Those like Me. marble <laughs> those white marble stairs. If you're getting married, go outside in the back. That's where everybody takes yeah. their photos. So just go. That's all I have to say. Just go to the museum. Go to a museum. I don't really care which one. <clears throat> Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm sorry. I like cut that part out because my voice is going in and out. Um, but the museum industry is largely made up of white women. So in 2015, the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation conducted a survey to gauge ethnic and gender diversity among the country's museums. So in that study, they found that 84% of the country's museum staff was non-Hispanic white. Blacks made up 4% and Asian Americans made up 6%. And there were no reports at all of Native Hawaiians or Native Americans being present in the field. So obviously this is something that we talk about all the time. I feel mm-hmm. like when we talk about your job, like that the diversity aspect of it always comes up. So why do you think that that's such a, a, an issue in the museum industry? I honestly think it's because of lack of exposure um, in different communities. I had no idea. Like even what we just talked about when people just assume that the only jobs in there are giving tours – People really don't know all of the opportunities that exist within the field. There are a lot of people that work at the museum 
that didn't study art. Like we have an HR department that didn't study art. We have IT. Um, one of the IT interns we had um, during the summer that I worked with, he was like, yeah, like I never thought about like working in a museum or anything. He enjoyed it, but IT, it's the same. Like, mm-hmm. But also you get to be around art. So that's like a, a plus. Um, we have so many different departments. We have finance. Like you don't have to study art history to know anything about that. There are a lot of opportunities that exist, but if you don't know about them, you'll never end up there. And right now, museums are at a point where they're starting to acknowledge that they're having an issue. Like this study that was done in 2015 was the first one that was really done like this at this scale. Um, And it really like shines some light on museums as a whole. And people were like, oh, there is a problem. Like clearly it's visible. Like you can see it. But when you like see the numbers on paper and you're like, Okay, so it's real. Like when I was reading that NPR article last night, I was just like, "Wow, this this is insane." <laughs> it's it's really ridiculous, but it's also because I don't know. It makes an interesting environment, but really, the only other black people I really get to see are they're usually guards or they're working janitorial staff or facility staff. Um, there's nobody really, like, else that I see. There's – I have one friend mm-hmm. that is at the museum. Um, she's around my age. Um, she's black, and she works uh, in a different department than me. But she's, like, the only person that I really, like, can identify with, like, being there. And it's so interesting because I'm just like – here are all the black yeah. people. But I'm just like, I know black people would like these jobs. Exactly. Like, it would be really fun. These are great jobs. Like, But we don't know about them, and we're not pushed in that direction. Yeah. Like, when I was in high school, working at a museum was, like, never really something I thought of. Maybe I thought about it more than other people because my mom worked at a museum. Yeah. But that's just not one of your, like, go-to, like, I want to be a curator. Exactly. Because what high school student says that? Because even in... The art classes and stuff we took in college, I don't think that that was ever mentioned. And I worked in the, I worked at the road, and I, even still, I was kind of like, "How did I end up working?" <laughs> you know, like I forgot but, you worked at the road. Yeah, I forget too. And then I have flashbacks. But like, um, I wasn't. I mean, I was technically. I'm not going to say a guard, but basically like a guide. But I didn't do any tours. We literally just stood there and told people not to touch stuff. Um, and then the people that were actually doing the the work work that were sitting in the office, no, there was not anybody that looked like me. So I can I can attest to that, I guess, on a smaller scale because the broad is not that big. But yeah, but, but still, it's, yeah. a, it's the case at pretty much any museum that you go to, unless maybe if you go to... A black museum, but yeah. the staff is still not going to be 100% black for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe more than half, but it's just really interesting when you see those numbers. Um, they just released the new um, survey um, for 2018, and I was looking at those results like recently, and I was looking more at the breakdown by intellectual leadership positions, which include conservation, curators, education, and museum leadership, which is like the museum directors um, and things like that. So for conservation, 
the departments are about 90% white and they went down to 89% in those three years. Progress. It is progress. <laughs> like it, it's very small progress, but conservation is also an extremely difficult field um, to get into because it's really small. Um, we were just talking about yeah. that. It's, it's just a super small, like super small field. Um, curators went from 88% white to being 84% white. That's so that's kind jump. of like, that's a big jump. Um, in education, it went from 80% white to 74%. Okay. And for museum leadership, it went from 89 to 88. Okay. I could see that one being a little more difficult because there are not a lot of black museum directors. Yeah. Um, that's just how it is. Um, and it's really interesting because a lot of people that are directors now or like working in some of those positions, they didn't all have like extremely high levels of education. They don't all have PhDs Mm -hmm. or things like that. Now that's the standard. Um, But kind of back then it wasn't really required. You could work easily. You could work your way up to become museum director. That's definitely not the case. now. I can't just like, well, if I stay at the museum for 30 years, one day I'll be the director. I got started off as the first fellow. Right. Now that's (laughs) definitely not how that works. Even though, eh, so we did have, I said we did have the other postdoctoral fellow um, program. And a lot of the fellows that work through those programs, of course, they all have PhDs. Um, one of them, she's become the director of curatorial affairs. Um, and another one, he became the assistant director of the museum it might have been associate we have an associate and an assistant director and i get them confused um but he also recently left to become a director at a different museum okay so he did it yeah but he also has a phd right so there's a few more doors that are open for him he's also a white man also there's a lot of doors that are open for him so it's different but it's not impossible but a lot of museums are starting to have more programs that are kind of trying to open the door for more people of color to actually get into the field, like this fellowship that I'm in. But even all museums, a lot of museums have fellowships like this now. Um, and it's it's progress. It, I don't know. Sometimes I kind of feel weird about it because I'm just like, uh, am I only here because they needed somebody okay. like – black to be here so like i get to be the token yeah but also i deserve to be in the position so it's it's i don't know i guess it's a double-edged sword kind of thing it's just one of those things you think about yeah so what do you think are some things that need to get done to change the stats that we just mentioned i think the museums are on the right track um acknowledging the issues, that's kind of the first step. And we're kind of in that step right now. Um, even with like decolonizing museums and like sending art back to places that it came from that was obtained illegally. That's um, a big deal. Which is still, <laughs> yeah. It's pretty difficult for some museums to actually do that because some of them are like, no, we're not sending it back. Because I'm sure that's all that they have in the museum is stolen. Especially art. really old things like contemporary work. Like nobody stole that. Right. But like ancient, like 
I don't know, slabs from an ancient pyramid or something. Like, where's your receipt? Where's where's your receipt (laughs) that you got that from? Because it was probably stolen. It was looted. And you're not supposed to have it. Um, Some museums have been really good about sending those things back. Okay. Some of them, not so much. I want to say, hmm, there was a museum recently, I can't think of, it's not in the U.S., um, that was going through something like this, and they said they weren't giving it back. So so how does that process <laughs> even work? Does somebody write a letter and say, hey, this is an artifact from my culture or X, Y, and Z, and you guys have it in your possession? So part of it, I think, starts with, I think it can go both ways so i think it can be something like that like if somebody traced that piece of art like to that museum and they're like this is you're not supposed to have this but also it can be traced from inside the museum because in the registrar's office when you get a piece of art there's like a trail that goes with it like where you got like there's documents that when you got it like shipping information like the person that gave it to you like all that information is in the records and you can find it so it's really easy to see like (laughs) oh, maybe we didn't have this legally. Like, one of my friends, she worked in, um, I actually think she was working in the registrar's office over the summer, and a lot of the work she was doing was just, like, purely research. So she was looking through all that information, checking, like, is this where this came from? Like, are we supposed to have this? Like, that is what she did, and she was like, it's super interesting, even though she spent most of her time, like, in the office just reading stuff, but... It's really cool because you can really like see like oh wait we did not like, obtain not this right, right something is wrong like something is missing like something we're supposed to have like this is so it's v- pretty easy for you to realize that this might hmm. not have been obtained the right way which is super interesting like museums are like I don't know they're really crazy there's so m- so many like you said moving parts mm-hmm. like to it that you really have no idea how it really works. So then who makes that executive decision to say we're going to send this back or we're not? I feel like the final say probably comes from the director. Okay. Um, Because it also has to do with the image of the museum. Right. And kind of, so there are a lot of parts. I'm sure a lot of departments are involved in those decisions. Um, but I'm also sure like people that are actually like curators and things like that, they would want it to go back to where it's supposed to go because – that's they the ethical thing right, that's to do. The <laughs> ethical thing to do, but but directors and things like that, they're often on more of the business side of it and the image of the museum. Yeah. So if it makes the museum look bad or mm-hmm. something, they I could see why maybe we don't want to do this. Maybe we don't want to do this right now. Um, but also, I feel like museums get cool points for returning art. Like, I would think I think so. that's really cool. Like, good job. Like, now I want to visit right. your museum. Exactly. So, I guess it really depends. If you... Another thing is, the directors of the museum, they make a lot of the... They make a lot of decisions, but the museum really runs according to what type of director that you have. And that can change every time the d- director changes. Okay. Like, when they get someone new, they might be like, I don't like any of the things that he was doing. Let's change it all. And that's just it. You just have to go with it. That's that on that. It is. Our director just announced that he's leaving. And he's leaving. This is your chance. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's my time to shine. It's your time. He just announced that he's leaving in July. Um, and he had been at the museum nine years. And he's like our ninth director over... The museum's been open since, like, 1901. Okay. 
I feel like I was like, we've only had nine. Yeah, directors. that's not that many. It's not. They just stay for a really long time, like until they're like eighty or something. And <laughs> look just, at him changing, changing yeah. the wave. Yep, he's he's leaving. He's going to a different museum in Massachusetts, but. His daughter and his grandson live close to Massachusetts, and he's like, "Well, we're getting older, and it's nice to be like close With to your them. family." So I was like, yeah, I get it, but I really like him. He's a really great director, but man, but I'm also not going to be there too much longer past that anyway. So, yeah, whatever. Um, so you recently started your blog called "I See Your Art," where you take a deep dive into Black art and those creating it. So, can you go more into detail about what prompted you to start your blog? So. I was just starting to kind of do my own research. There are so many black artists that I don't know about. It's ridiculous Mm -hmm. that really don't get acknowledgement at all. Like maybe a really long time after they died, they get a retrospective at a museum. Um, But sometimes that's the case with all artists. They don't really get popular until they're dead. But a lot of these artists were like contemporary artists. So it's like... They were making art like in like the Harlem Renaissance right. and things like that, and people don't know about them. Um, and I was like, I don't want this to be the case for for everyone, and like always. So I'm like, I feel like I know a lot of people that do art. Like I feel like I can use like my knowledge as a way to be a platform and kind of just get them a little more exposure. Like I don't have like a huge like following or anything like that, but. I don't know. I feel like if one or two more people learn about your art, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what I want to do. And even um, I know last year on my like personal Instagram, I just started doing during Black History Month. I posted one artist a day, one black artist. And it was also a learning experience for me because I had to go every day to find a different artist. Mm-hmm. And I decided like, OK, I'm going to do it again this year. So I was like, all right, have to find 28 new artists I found way more than that I still have like a really long list in my phone so I kind of just made a really long list and every day I would just kind of go through and pick which artists I wanted to focus on but it was really cool because a lot of them I was like wow I didn't know anything about this artist and now I have more knowledge on it and I start hearing their names and like I know who that is it's like it's really exciting um and I want other people to have that knowledge too right so um just to touch on the black history month thing you did you did it again this year yes. on your instagram which i loved i felt like it was great because like you said i knew nothing about a lot of those people um i don't know if it was maybe like one or two out the bunch of like maybe i've seen or heard this name before but it was just a really good way to learn more um, because since I'm not in that industry, I'm not always actively seeking out that information. So for you to just put it out there and it was kind of in my face, I'm like, thank you, girl. I right. appreciate it. It's a nice little paragraph and a picture. Oh, yeah. You were yeah. writing. You were getting into detail. Yeah. <laughs> so who is your favorite artist and do you prefer a particular type of art over another? Mm. So my favorite artists change pretty frequently. Um so I can't say that I have a favorite favorite contemporary and like art is contemporary art is probably like my favorite. I really 
don't enjoy really old like European type also, art. I don't either. <laughs> I like I'm just like uh, it's a bunch of like pictures of like really old like Dutch people and like in fields and like bowls of fruit and I'm just like what is yeah, this? Yeah, and just, the colors are always so dull. It looks like really they all look really ashy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not my favorite type of art, um, but. I had to actually I don't even know if I ever really had to study like renaissance art um, and I'm kind of glad I had to study ancient art um, Mm -hmm. but that was still more interesting yeah Um, because I feel like that stuff has meaning to it yeah it's like so (laughs) old like it's so old yeah Um, but but even old European pieces it's just like this was a king (laughs) (laughs) okay something the 22nd I was like cool right great but yeah, no know. yeah definitely not my favorite type of art when i just went to new orleans i went to the new orleans uh, museum of art noma and that was like the first i was like i really don't want to go but i went and looked at everything because i was like i have to look at everything mm-hmm. but i'm just like this looks like the same stuff that we have at our museum yeah and i like read the names and all these french people i'm like i don't know who you are like it also sounds the same as the person that's like right next to you right like something <laughs> Y'all look von, like twins. something von something I'm just like <sighs> yeah when i went um but 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 i will say they were very talented like some of that work is super realistic it's it's amazing yeah. it's just not interesting to me mm-hmm. but the skills were definitely there so i will say that um when i went to the noma they had an exhibit on the lower level, I think it was in reference to Hurricane Katrina, and they had like a bunch of symbolic things that were in there. I can't remember. I took a lot of pictures, of course, but it was really cool. I like going to different museums too, just to see kind of like the side, the different sizes of them compared to the DIA. Even though the DIA is the DIA humongous, is gigantic. I actually <laughs> didn't think because you told me that Noma was small. I was like, I actually didn't think it was that small. No, they, they have three levels. Yeah, and I don't know. Also. Their campus is huge. They're literally surrounded by like they have like a lake and they like do. all this stuff <laughs> around it. Like, but it was raining that day, so I didn't get to like walk around yeah. outside. Cause... I think we um, when we went, we had something else to do later on that day, so we didn't stay for that long. We were probably there for like an hour or so. Um, but yeah, it was still cool. So, where do you see yourself going next with your career? That's the million dollar question. Um, (laughs) In a perfect world, I would just work for myself in some type of freelance capacity. Um, But I'm not there yet. So I do want to do more writing. Um, Maybe stay in museums a little bit longer. I definitely can't say that I want to work in a museum for the rest of my life. Um, Maybe five more years tops, but after that, I gotta go. Yeah, it's there's just a lot, a lot that like goes into working at a museum, especially being a black woman in a museum. Is just, but that's kind of being a black woman in a lot of different fields are like that. It is, um, so it can be like an extra task on top of whatever work you have to do. There's that extra layer of you really have to be mentally prepared to go to work for the day. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of exhausting. And I was like, that, I don't really, I don't really want to deal with that forever. Um, 
even talk to my mom. She's like the same way. She's worked at the DIA 20 years, 20 years. She just hit 20 years uh, over the summer. She got a little little certificate and everything. Um, But she like worked her way up to her managerial position. Okay. um, Over like the past 20 years. And she's like, it's the same way there. Um, She works in visitor services. So it's a different, um, it's like a different part. It's since I work in education, but She's like, it's still, like, it exists. Um, And the DIA has even had issues recently with two of their young black female curators leaving. Okay. They both quit. Oh, no. At, like, the same time. (laughs) But, yeah, so that was, the DIA came out with a whole, like, article about it, kind of explaining how they got to that point and, like, what happened. It was, I was actually really impressed that they came out with that because... I'm sure it was something people were wondering, but right. it was nice of them to kind of address it. Yeah. Um, Be even, transparent about it. Yeah. Even though, like, their actions are what led to it. But, you know, yeah. So, yeah, museums for now, maybe writing later, maybe, I have no idea. Maybe I'll start my art on wheels situation. Do it. Do it. That's just, it's, it's such a great idea, and I could really see it happening. It is. So nobody that's listened to this podcast steal my idea and try to, like, Yes, go it's to trademarked. It, it is. hmm <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should get on that now. <laughs> yes, you do. We need to figure out the name. So open up the PowerPoint later on today. And we're going to figure it out. And we're going to figure it out. Um, so what are your hopes for the art industry worldwide and even specifically in Detroit moving forward? I just want artists to get the exposure that they deserve while they're still living and while they're around to actually see it happening it's just I think it's really disappointing that a lot of artists don't really get to see the impact that they make until well never because it doesn't happen until they passed on right. and died um, I just want people to feel valued as artists I want them to get properly paid for the work that they do. So don't ask artists to do anything for free. Um, That's just a message to all of you guys. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I don't know. Um, Something, something like that. That's a good, a good goal. Um, So how can people connect with you on social or on the web? Yeah. So my Instagram is, um, at Asma Walton, so A S M A A W A L T O N. Um, and if you go on there, you'll find the link to my Tumblr where I will be putting more art writing on there right now. But I do have a review on there, so you might want to check that out. And yeah, that is the only social media that I'm going to give you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you guys watch her stories because she puts a lot of art pieces on there and like gives information about them because every day I'm just like okay what's the art of the day girl what are we looking at I do just feel the need to share my information yeah well thank you for coming you're welcome I think this was a great I think this went well I think it went well yeah (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm pleased I too am pleased (laughs) I'm just not excited to listen to my own voice later oh my gosh me either 
but, but the thing is, I already know all the answers to the questions, so it's not like I really have to listen to it because I already know what we said. No, you have to listen back. <laughs> I could just like turn it on and like do something else. Maybe I won't listen to it in headphones. Okay, whatever makes you feel more comfortable. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, guys. Um, I hope you enjoyed this first episode, and we'll get back to you next week.